Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Who's your Where's daddy? That's a better question. Where's Where daddy? Where, where, do you, where do you think he is right now? Well, uh, Barstow. He's between Vegas, and uh, he's hanging out somewhere in Barstow because he doesn't know if he should continue down the ride down the uh, freeway or if he should come back to Vegas, the poor guy. I, he's at, is it Barstow or Baker where there's that turnoff with all the uh, food places? Barstow, uh, yeah. It's Barstow. Yeah. So he's, I... he's having a little coffee at Starbucks. Then Daddy's <laughs> deciding where to have lunch and dinner because by the time tonight rolls around, no one will know where Dodonoff is supposed to be. Uh, what did you... <laughs> It was supposed to be like all quiet community. You know how we say, oh, after the um, 10 o'clock hour, you know, all these things happen. So you and I were probably doing the same thing, like kind of scouring Twitter and seeing, you know, what was going to happen. But I don't know. Let's go to the first bite and we'll talk about it. The first bite. Did Agenny Dodonov get traded or not? Again, that's the question. I was watching it, and when they traded him, like, okay, cost cutting. You know, he had scored. You know, he played well recently, but they had to get they had to move some salary. And then, as you go through the day, it just starts the tweet after tweet after tweet saying, "Oh, it's a hold up. Something's wrong about the no trade list." And what's happening? What'd you make of this whole thing? Uh, that somebody is extremely unorganized, but we're not <laughs> sure who. who. Um, so basically, for anybody that's kind of unaware, the recap of the scenario here is that last offseason, the Golden Knights traded for Evgeny Dodonov from the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators contract that they had given Dodonov had a limited no-trade clause. He could submit a list of 10 teams that the Senators could not trade him to. That type of thing is supposed to be carried over when a player gets traded to a new team, like when Evgeny Dodonov got traded to the Golden Knights in the offseason. But at some point between Dodonov being traded from Ottawa to Vegas, his 10-team no-trade clause didn't make its way along with Dodonov. And this is where it becomes confusing as to who exactly screwed up. Where's Was, that list? Right. Did Ottawa not tell the Golden Knights and the NHL about this? Did Dodonov's agent screw up because he was supposed to submit the no-trade clause to the league and ultimately to the Golden Knights? Did the league screw up because the league, maybe they did submit everything in the league for whatever reason, just forgot about it, lost it, ignored it? I, I don't know. Or possibly did the Golden Knights screw up because maybe they knew about it and said, well, you're going to Anaheim anyways. This is where somebody is unorganized. Somebody screwed up. And now you have Evgeny Dodonov, who he thought had Anaheim on his no trade list and then gets traded to Anaheim. And now he's in a position where the NHL and the NHLPA are apparently going to, uh, I guess, fight over this, whether Dodonov gets traded or not. And ultimately, Evgeny Dodonov either A, gets traded to Anaheim, a team that he had on his no-trade list, or B, gets sent back to Vegas, a team that just tried to dump his salary on Anaheim. Like, it's a horrible situation for Evgeny Dodonov yeah, to be Yeah, for that in. kid, it's, it's a bad situation. Dave Shane just <laughs> tweeted, I've been told the NHLPA remains in communication with the NHL regarding this matter. Um, I'll tell you one thing. It's of all the possibilities you just mentioned it would be by far the worst for the golden knights if they moved that guy and they knew about the no trade 
And I can't. I, mean, I can't believe I can't they imagine, would do that. Right. Come I can't on. imagine they'd be like, "Yeah, we know he doesn't want to go to Anaheim, no, but no. we're gonna force a no, trade." No, because they like, know he'd get cut. They know the, 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 his agent were like, "Hold on a second, he doesn't want to get right. on there." So it seems more likely that either a somebody, whether it was his agent or the Senators, I don't know who's supposed to, but somebody forgot to give that list to the NHL at some point, or. The NHL screwed it up, and the NHL was like, no trade clause. He doesn't. What? Oh, crap. He does have. Like, somewhere along the lines, somebody screwed up, and now we're sitting in a situation where the trade deadline was yesterday at noon, and Evgeny Dodonov today at 7 a.m. Pacific time still does not know which team he technically belongs to at the moment. It is a it's a terrible look for the entirety of the league. Like, Whosever fault it is at the end of the day, it's a terrible look for the entirety of the league where you can have a trade at the trade deadline, go through, get announced, and then come back and be like, well, hold on, guys. Maybe we have to undo this trade because somebody screwed up and didn't honor this guy's no trade list. I mean, you know it's Ottawa because it's owned by Eugene Melnick, and that guy might be one of the worst uh, owners in sports. Complete lunatic, that guy. (laughs) So you know his team completely screwed this up. Uh Daddy doesn't want to play ta- pay taxes. Is that what so, it is? Oh, I lived in California. That might be what it is. He doesn't want to pay taxes or the gas prices right now, so that's why he doesn't want to go there. I'd love to know. I haven't seen the whole list. Obviously, no one has. Oh, I, not even the Knights. Um, if the Kings, another you know, another California team, would be on that because of those because of those reasons. And look, it's a legitimate reason. Right. I don't oh, yeah. know why he. You know why he would have so much against you know uh, Anaheim. I, I have no idea. We don't know much about him. He doesn't say very much, so we don't know much about why he'd have Anaheim on there. But it would be interesting because if he had another California team on there, then you'd be like, all right, now we're talking probably financially, and he's probably got a smart agent saying, hey, if we get ten teams, let's put those California teams on there so we don't have to pay their taxes and you know and now the gas prices and everything like that. So this is a complete disaster. Um, <laughs> I think I think Kelly McCrimmon's uh, did his news conference start 17 hours late yesterday? Yes, and and it, yes, his press conference because by the way, that's the other part of this. The NHL had a trade deadline of noon and yes. then like 3 and 4 hours later trades were being announced because yeah. The NHL got backed up? Like, did they not expect trades to come? I'm very confused as to how there was a, a backup of trades at the NHL. Like, And then they screwed one up. Like, what the hell was the NHL doing yesterday? Well, and they said, I kept saying, there's 32 trades still in the queue. I'm like, who's in charge of the queue? <laughs> like, and, and by the way, they all 32 came in right at noon? Yeah. I mean, come on. There, there's no way all 32 came in noon. It was just some guy in a closet sitting around waiting for the noon to strike, and then he goes into the queue and starts approving <laughs> trades? Like, I mean, ah. it was just – I don't remember I, – I see these guys tweeting after, remember now, there's trades in the queue. It takes a little while for it to be announced. It usually takes an hour. It took a lot longer than that yesterday. Right. So of the five years the Golden Knights have kind of done this, and we've kind of actually been watching it, the trade deadline – I never remember McCrimmon's press conference or George McPhee before him being, you know, being delayed that long because this trade hasn't gone through because it's sitting in a queue somewhere. They originally scheduled the press conference to be two and a half hours after the deadline because they thought that would be plenty right. of time plenty of time. the deadline and they'd be good to go. All right. On the actual trade itself, can I say from the Golden Knights perspective, I think they should want this to get overturned today. Well, I want it to get overturned because I want to see what the poor guy does. Well, but why do you want to get it overturned? Because you can't, think it's a bad deal? I can't figure out why they did this. I mean, so the the trade that the Golden Knights made yesterday, they sent Evgeny Dodonov and a second-round pick to Anaheim. And in return, 
They got Ryan Kessler, who's hurt. He's not going to play. He's, he's not going to play. Like, he's got like a $6.8 million contract, but it's irrelevant. It doesn't give the Golden Knights any cap space. They'll immediately trade for it, put him on long-term IR. And he just, the only reason he's in that trade is because now Bill Foley pays his salary right. instead of right. the Anaheim Ducks. Right. That's the only reason Kessler's in that trade. It's just Foley pays a little bit more money. John Moore also is coming over in that trade. This is a defenseman, 31 years old. He only played in seven games in the NHL this year. He does have a decent NHL career in terms of he's played for close to a decade here, but he got traded from Boston to Anaheim on March 19th. He's hurt. Kelly McCrimmon said yesterday he's going to stay in Boston because he's hurt. Now, he also said he's not going to put him on long-term IR. He has a $2.75 million cap hit. So the Golden Knights yesterday, Gave up a second round pick, got rid of Evgeny Dodonov, who, granted, hasn't been great this year, but given the current health of the team, is one of the better goal scorers on the team at the moment. And all they got in return was $2.25 million of cap relief. That's it. They didn't get a significant cap saving. They got 2.25. They paid two, they paid a second round pick to get rid of a good player to get a useless player to them, guy that's hurt and can't play, yeah. to create $2.25 million in a cap, this guy or staying, cap savings. This guy's staying in Boston and they won't put him on LTIR? That is a... I cannot figure out the logic Why behind this trade. It is, it is incredibly dumb. I cannot figure out what they're thinking in terms of this trade unless there's like a, well, if we get exactly 2.25, we can get six games of Mark Stone at the end of the year. Right, and that, right. to me... is that's not worth it. I'd rather have the the 12 games of of Evgeny Dodonov right now. Yes, especially when the way your he's playing. Is not hurt. So to me, if 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 I'm the Golden Knights, I I want this overturned because I think that is a very dumb trade they made yesterday. Like I can't figure out the logic behind they did it. They paid way too much to create 2.25 million dollars in cap space. And the other part, if you're trying to create roughly 2 million in cap space, just attach like a fourth round pick and trade Laurent Brossois somewhere. Like that would have been, that would have created the same amount of cap space, probably would have cost a lot less. I cannot figure out the logic for the Golden Knights behind this. It's one of the few trades they've made. Like they've made some bad trades in the past, right? Like the Marc-Andre Fleury trade, they got literally nothing for him. But the logic was understandable. They needed to create some salary cap space. They had two goalies making over $5 million each. It was impractical to keep both of them. You understood the logic. I don't understand the logic behind this trade because they paid way too much to create very little cap space yeah. in the end. It's a great point. It's a great point by you. I, I didn't know. I thought, I assumed, I well, I was trying to keep up with Daddy, so I didn't know about this more, <laughs> this more guy. Um, but the fact that they don't put him in an LTIR and he's played six games and he's staying in Boston, I, do yeah. they think this guy's coming in and playing for the stretch run? I well, and and I think McCrimmon said yesterday they're going to put him in Henderson, which would which would I save mean, them an additional like one million in cap savings. So you get it up to three point two five, which again, but it's not the Donovs number. Right, and ultimately, like maybe that helps Mark Stone come back before the regular season ends, or Alec Martinez, one of those two guys. Like ultimately, I guess that could happen, but it's still going to. What are you getting? Five games, six games? Like, are you really? You're really giving up a second round pick for five or six games of Mark Stone? Like that just that doesn't make sense. That's not. There's not a logical reason to do that. So I like yesterday. I said. They need to trade Riley Smith or Matthias Janmark unless they plan to re-sign them. And if they plan to re-sign them, they might need to move somebody else like Dodonov. My thought was they're going to trade Evgeny Dodonov and they're going to get an asset in return. 
Like they're going to give up Dodonov and they'll get something back because another team is going to want him. Apparently, there wasn't a contender that wanted him, and they made a deal with Anaheim, who's not in the playoff picture, simply to try to create $2 million in cap space. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. No, it doesn't. And now we're sitting around here, and we made a fun. I mean, I don't want to make fun of the It's not his fault. That's the other thing. If, 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 if you feel sorry for anyone in this completely scenario, you feel sorry for Dodonov. Um what do they say if this if this guy has to come back? And look, if he has to come back, he has to come back. It's professional sports. It's business. He's going to have to deal with that. Uh, but they just moved him for a second-round pick. You know, does it cause any kind of turmoil? Or do they just say, look, it was all about cap space. It had nothing to do with you. You were playing well. I think that's what they would tell him. Um, but does he come back and play well? Or does he come back and, you know, kind of cop an attitude? I would imagine... I mean, okay, if the Golden Knights didn't screw this up, if it was Ottawa or his agent or the NHL, you say, listen, yeah, we tried to create some cap space. We thought we were going to get Mark Stone back, but hey, it, it fell through and welcome back. I think it's kind of easier to to talk to the player about that if somebody else screwed it up. If the Golden Knights knew he had a no trade clause and still tried to force it through anyway, like if that's what we find out from this, I don't know how you bring a well, Penny Dodonov back if you tried to force him out, even though he said specifically on his no trade clause, no, Anaheim, no. That would be egregious and holy and totally embarrassing for the Golden Knights. Right. That's uh, yes. why I don't think it is. I, I I don't think McPhee and McCrimmon are sitting around saying, you know, he's got that Anaheim. Let's push this through. I just they're, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. He's got ten teams. They would do their best to find it somewhere else for the guy. Especially you know if you're giving up a second round, someone probably else in the non ten would have taken the guy. Yes, I would think so, too. I would think a lot of teams would have been like, wait a minute, you yeah. were giving up a second-round pick just to dump that? We'll, yeah, we'll take it. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, you don't even have to take this John Moore guy back in return, <laughs> whoever that guy is. Maybe it's so, a three-team, and you said you have to take John Moore. Yeah, Anaheim maybe. says, we'll get in on this, but you got to take John Moore and the, and the $6 million contract. We don't want to do anything else. So, uh, fascinating day. I don't know what today brings. I don't know when we get a resolution on Evgeny Dodonov. So, maybe he's a Golden Knight and playing tonight in Winnipeg. Who knows? Maybe he's an Anaheim Duck today. But it's a one of, I mean, I can't remember ever seeing something like this at a trade deadline where, oh, we pushed this through and then maybe, maybe not. Maybe this was an illegal trade that shouldn't have happened. Oh, and by the way, they lost to Minnesota last night. Yeah, 3 0. So, 3 0. Wasn't, wasn't a very good day overall for the Golden Knights. But coming up next. We're going to jump into the NFL because another quarterback got traded. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. It has been a fun offseason in the NFL. Yesterday, Matt Ryan got traded to the Falcons got a third round pick in return for Matt Ryan. Actually, let's let's start right there. Are you surprised Matt Ryan only went for a third despite his pretty big contract? I think I am surprised. I think I am su- I, I think I was a little surprised that he went for a third. But I mean, you're getting Devon the- one for I had to throw in a second, so I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, here, here's the fun comparison of it if you're the Colts. Obviously, the Colts screwed up by giving up what ended up being a first-round pick to Philadelphia to get Carson Wentz. But this offseason, the Colts got two third-rounders and a second-round pick swap from Washington for Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. And then 
And then they only had to give up one third to get Matt Ryan. The Colts, they terrible last offseason. They did great this offseason because they turned, they got more assets and upgraded a quarterback. I've heard, uh, the, I'm glad you agree there because I've heard a couple people on Twitter this morning being arguing between who's better between Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. And I started to no, laugh at it. I really? started to laugh at that. Yeah, no. yeah, I started laughing at it. Yeah. People in the media. That can't be real. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Matt Ryan is significantly He's better than Carson Far better like, than Carson Wentz. Far better. The Colts. The Colts were good before. You know they they've got uh, they've got a good team. They've got a good team around them. Uh, I think nine and eight last year with Wentz. Nine and eight last year with Wentz. Uh, with that team around them, is he worth like at least two more wins? Yeah, I mean, so that's where the Colts sort of enter this now. They they're AFC contenders. I mean, they last year, good offensive line, great running back. Their wide receivers are good, and their defense was top ten in DVOA last season. Like this was a good team last year. And now they have Matt Ryan. And is Matt Ryan as good as he was, whatever, five years ago? No. But Matt Ryan is still a very good NFL quarterback. And he's better than Carson Wentz. And I have to imagine he's going to look even better, given that the team around him is going to be significantly better than what he just played Yeah, I think he just, what, he have three or four wins. Yeah. And so, like, I, in all seriousness, I genuinely think the Colts are legitimate contenders because they are, here's what's interesting about the Colts. They are now... They're not in tier one in the AFC, right? Tier one is probably like Kansas City, Buffalo, but they're definitely in tier two. Now, tier two is very big, Huge. but the but the key for the Colts is their division sucks. It's the complete yeah. opposite of what the Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders and Colts are probably about on the same level in terms of how good they are. The, the Colts have one team to worry about in that division, exactly, and it's the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Who, granted, they have exceeded two years in a row, but the Tennessee Titans are not exactly a team you're that worried about, whereas the Raiders have three teams in their division to worry about. For the Colts, they could pretty easily win their division, and winning your division, even if you're just as good as the Raiders, is much better than sneaking in as a wildcard spot. So I think they are legitimate contenders in the in the fact that they're, they're in Tier 2 of the AFC, and their division is bad enough that they should probably probably yeah. win that division yeah. and that will give them a really good uh spot or a really good path potentially to make an AFC championship game to play in a Super Bowl because winning your division is very important whereas being a wild card team makes it significantly harder to get to a Super Bowl this just boy people are gonna hate this this just pushes the Raiders down a little more oh in my opinion because okay. it, because with Wentz well they went in and beat Wentz uh, or did Wentz play? Yeah, Wentz played that game. Yeah, he did. He, he, pl- did. he played that game. So they went and beat him. So he was uh, kind of the elixir there that uh, kept the Colts back. But now you have Matt Ryan. Um, I think this pushes the Raiders down further. I People go nuts on that, I'm sure. So there are 11 teams in the AFC that, that probably think they're playoff and Super Bowl contenders. Uh, and and 11 teams you can make a legitimate argument for. Uh, obviously, the four teams, the AFC West, all think they're playoff contenders. The AFC North has Cincinnati and Baltimore, and then Cleveland is Depends interesting. Depends on how much he plays. Right. I think even if even if Deshaun Watson's suspended for half the season, they can probably still be in the playoff race with Jacoby Brissett playing seven, eight games, mm-hmm. something like that. The AFC East obviously has Buffalo and New England, and then the AFC South has the Colts now and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, that's 11 teams that all think that they are legitimate playoff contenders and probably more than just playoff contenders. And I, I think it's a fair question. Are the Raiders in that top seven? Are they going to be one of those top seven teams that make the playoffs? I think they've got to prove it before we put them in the top seven right now. 
I mean, you've, you've got them listed here, KC and Buffalo. And I know KC, we heard yesterday about their defensive problems. But Baltimore, he's back healthy. Cincinnati just went to the Super Bowl. Indianapolis just got Matt Ryan. The Chargers, I think, are just going to get better with Herbert. Although they have to prove it, too, because I keep hearing about the Chargers each year, and I think they have little to prove. <laughs> That's six. Now you haven't even gotten to Denver with Russell Wilson. Tennessee won 12 games last year. Um I, I, I think Cleveland's up in the air. I think they're up in the air until we see how much he plays. But, yeah, we already got to eight, and I didn't mention the Raiders, and uh, here goes Twitter on that. But I, I, the Raiders have a ton to prove, in my opinion. I know they went to the wild card game, but I still think they have a lot to prove. I To me, it, it, it all it, seriously, it all comes down to the division. If you swapped the Raiders and the Colts right now, I'd be sitting no, here yeah. saying that the, sure. Raiders are, the Raiders are going to win the division. The Raiders are a legitimate contender. Yes. But – because of the division, because again, for the Raiders to win the AFC West, not only does do a lot of things have to go right for their season, right? The Devontae Adams trade has to work out. Derek Carr has to be a good quarterback. The defense under a new defensive coordinator and going to have a bunch of new faces is going to have to be good. Like a lot of things have to go right with the Raiders, but also things have to go wrong for three other teams for the Raiders to win their division. If you're the Colts, Things have to go right for you, and then things just kind of have to maybe go a little wrong for Tennessee, and you win the division. That's it. You don't even have to worry about two other teams contending, and that, to me, is the biggest problem, is that the Raiders, they might miss the playoffs simply because their division is too good. I don't think yeah. the Raiders are significantly worse than the Colts or New England or you know Baltimore, Cincinnati. Or All right, I think they're close to most of those teams. It's just a matter of those teams don't have three other good teams. Those teams all at least have one and most of them two bad teams in the division. And the Raiders don't, but they don't get that opportunity to play a bunch of bad teams. I'm telling you, this is, you're exactly right. I don't know if they're in the top seven or eight. And I know people go crazy on that. And I know Devontae Adams is going to be introduced today out at the facility. We're still waiting on Derek Carr's extension. But while they've gotten a little better, probably defensively, I don't know how much they've gotten better defensively. Um, Jonathan Abrams still kind of is out there. Uh, corners, maybe upgrades. But this is—I can't wait to watch the AFC though, because I think it's going to be—it's oh. going to be a, each week that you're going to have AFC matchups that are just wars, uh, trying to get to these. And I think there's one playoff spot. Is there one more playoff spot? Well, yeah, it's up to seven. Okay, yeah. it's up to seven. They might have to. You're, I mean, they could be really, really good and finish fourth in the AFC West. Yeah, absolutely. No no doubt about it. And that probably means you missed the playoffs because that probably yeah, means Yeah, four in a many... division would be really hard. Right. So, I mean, it's possible, but it's probably not going to happen. So, it's – seriously, there's 11 teams that think they should be competing not just for a playoff spot, no, for but probably Bowl. for a Super Bowl. And that is – it's going to be a phenomenal AFC to watch. It's, it's going to be awesome. And there's going to be four of those teams that don't even make the playoffs next year, which is hilarious to think that there's going to be four teams that enter the year thinking, hey, we could we could win the Super Bowl, and they don't even make it to the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be a great uh, conference to watch. And th- the problem for the AFC West teams is there's too many good teams in their division. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're on month three of Dishwasher Watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to the Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Tyler muted. 
Tyler, yes, yes, I was muted. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I was about to bring David on, but I think you know, I think he's muted. I think he's muted. It's okay. Hi, David. Good morning. Hey, what's up? It's good. It's a good song. I don't mind listening to more of it, but uh, yeah, how's it going? <laughs> good. Um, I'm assuming at some point where you're actually going to give us good news on your dishwasher, but I'm guessing that's not today. It's not today, but uh, I'm on it. We had a house guest over the weekend, and I was oh. kind of reminded that uh, it is cool to have a dishwasher if it's more than just you and your wife making the same five dinners in a row <laughs> all the time. Like It's a pretty mechanized process until you throw somebody else in the mix, and they're kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd have some cereal, and then you're like, oh, well, that's a bowl, though, and who's going to watch that? <laughs> what, what, so, did they, did they know we about get your... this sorted now. Did they know about this, or do pe- do people walk in like guests and kind of look and don't say anything because they're nervous to talk about why you have that in the middle of the room? No, I mean, I don't have a lot of, not that many people that listen to this show also are in my house. It's just a, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> so, and I think this is the most open I've been about it. Like, I think that my coworkers know that I was, like, having an issue with the dishwasher in, like, early winter, and I just never mentioned that it's not plugged in. Uh, that's something that I really need to sort out myself. Uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta protect my brand a little bit about around uh, work. I can't show my face in Las Vegas until I get this thing fixed, though. So that's another uh, nice little incentive to get on it. Uh, how surprised were you that Carlos Correa signed with the Twins? Very. I like. There have been rumors that he was signing with the Orioles too uh, earlier that week, which was uh, really seemed wrong to me. But it was the sort of thing where like the. I mean, that's the sort of deal that a team, even a team like the Twins, is like kind of cheap, you know, on principle. It's a pretty, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's the sort of thing it could wind up being a one-year commitment. It's not an overwhelming, you know, sort of thing that like tips over the payroll for the next five years. I'm just surprised that, I mean, the way that they worked the Yankees on that deal was masterful. And I can tell you that I've not seen Yankees fans as unhappy about the team's offseason direction like really that I can remember since I was, like, in high school. Like, since they, like, really got it sorted and stayed good for 20-odd years. Because they basically, the Twins were able to swap Josh Donaldson on a deal that they don't like, you know, nearer to the end of his career for Carlos Correa, basically. And all of the other pieces that they around him seem to help more, too. Like, that's it's pretty impressive, um, even given that I have no idea, you know, like, what to expect from uh, Correa on that type of deal. Like, the pillow contract thing can, can mess guys up, and he's really good. I just, you know, is he, like, going to get traded at the end of next year? Like, it, I don't know that this is the trajectory exactly that he wanted to be on, but it seems like a good move for both teams, like, or for both parties, not for the Yankees. I've got a, well, I said it yesterday, the hot take uh, is that he'll opt out and go to the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, that's like... <laughs> why you build the opt-outs into the contract, right? Like, it really has that feeling of, like, I mean, who knows? Maybe he goes up there and he, you know, falls in love with uh, cured fish and polite people and decides that he's finally <laughs> home. But <there's, laughs> there is something about it that, like, all those opt-outs would make me nervous, although they'd make me less nervous. It's like if I mean, they have um, Royce Lewis, who's like the first pick of the a couple of years ago, like made his way very slowly up through the system. They have guys that you know they had in mind as shortstops of the future, and if he leaves, then you know they had a fun one season with him, or they do wind up trading him at the deadline and you know sort of cash him in for more prospects, which is like the kind of the cheesiest way it could go, and therefore the one that seems likeliest to me. But in all cases, I respect him rolling the dice. I mean, like that 
there's nothing about that roster except for the entire pitching staff that suggests to me they couldn't be good. Uh, did he ultimately get screwed by the lockout considering that Corey Seager signed the 10-year, $300-plus-million-dollar contract that he wanted and apparently nobody was offering that post-lockout? I mean, it does kind of look like that, although I think it's the sort of thing where that, that money will be there for him. He's still Carlos Correa. You know, like I think it's – the issue, I guess, was just that you know, in any free agent season where there's this many really good players, like roughly comparable – in their 20s, superstar quality players that all play the same position or two, like somebody's going to get stuck, you know, with the musical chairs uh, sort of situation. I kind of thought that he'd take the deal that Javi Baez got and that he would take it more quickly, but, I, you know, somebody was going to be the last person standing on it. I'm just sort of surprised it isn't Baez because Baez is by far, to me, the most flawed of those players, but I, I do think eventually he's going to get that $300 million. Like, uh, you know, and as, as was uh, posited earlier, if it happened from the Dodgers next year, I can't say that I would consider myself surprised about it. Uh, good or bad that they've spent more this offseason than any time over three 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 point two billion teams. I mean, the, you, you, every day guys are getting seventy eighty million, and sometimes you have to say who's that person. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. It seems like like one of those things where it kind of reminds you that the last five years of you know, more or less austerity were completely a choice on the part of the owners. I mean, just like absolutely not relative to like, you know, we don't have the money to pay Jorge Soler or whatever. It was just teams kept deciding not to pay Jorge Soler. And now somehow the Marlins have decided that they're willing to pay him. And that's, it's when guys like that are getting proper contracts that it seems like the, the system is working properly. I think that like feeling after the last CBA and before this one where it was the top of the market was very healthy and like, you know, Bryce Harper was always going to get his money and Max Scherzer was going to get his money. But then there, and then, you know, there's always these sorts of guys that just churn through, you know, minor league deals or, you know, there's people that change teams every year and, you know, wind up making a million dollars or two because baseball's got a good union and that's how it is. That whole middle class of contracts, the like three year, $50 million deal that just wasn't happening for a while. And the fact that it's happening again, you know, I don't want to, like, be too rose-colored glasses with it. Like, I'm very happy that baseball is back, and I don't want to, like, get out over my skis in terms of being too excited about it. But it does seem like now that those sorts of contracts are being signed, it's starting to feel more like what I think of as, like, a proper baseball labor market. How much college basketball did you watch in the regular season versus this past weekend? So I watched a lot of apparently incredibly unrepresentative college basketball during the regular season. I watched, you know, like just sort of uh, layabout habit, like Saturday games. So I, a lot of Big Ten, I was watching Rutgers a lot this year just because I like to add complications to my life. And uh, it, all the Big Ten games I watched, apparently like I missed that Michigan is actually good. I probably saw them five times. Um, I'm still not convinced they're good. But, I mean, of all the teams that I watched there, I'd, like, talk myself into Wisconsin because they're annoying, talk myself out of Michigan because I, like, sincerely did not see them make a three-pointer the entire year. And uh, now one of them's in the Sweet 16 and Wisconsin is not. And, yeah, who knows? I definitely binged hard the first four days as, you know, is my right as an American. But the real drop-off for me was that I used to have – this is, like, the, you know – 
both college basketball pervert part of me and then also the like leaving everything until two minutes before the deadline part of me. I would just go hard on the um the conference championships in years past. And so I would watch, you know, CSPN has all those. So I'd watch like the Big Sky Championship and talk myself into because I saw some dude on Montana dunk. And I'd like pick them to win two games in the bracket. Just be like, do you see that dunk? It was great. He used two hands. It was amazing. And then they like run into North Carolina or something where everyone could do it and it doesn't work that way. I did not go as hard on the conference championship uh, week this year just because I got to pace myself. I'm not a young man. So you did do a bracket? I, yeah, I did a bracket. Um, I did pretty, I guess it's like one of those things where when all is said and done, I got about half the picks right, which is like not bad, but it's the sort of thing where I can feel more or less okay about it, and then I can look at the bracket that we did for defector subscribers and stuff, and I'm in, you know, I'm tied for 239th out of like 600-something, so it's like you can't really feel good about it, but I have a lot of coworkers who are in the 500s, so I guess something is there. No one got St. Peter's. I don't know. I met one guy who said that he picked St. Peter's to beat Kentucky because his friends are Kentucky fans and he wanted to annoy them. But I think that that's the only way that you could land on this. I grew up like 20 miles in St. Peter's, and I keep forgetting it exists. And now oh, look at them. Then I've got to ask you if this is true, because there was a TikTok the other day my kids, my kids showed me that St. Peter's, there's a guy walking around a neighborhood, and it seemed like there were two houses and he's like, welcome to St. Peter's. John Calipari should be fired. Is St. Peter's that kind of nondescript? Have you seen St. Peter's? So it's in Jersey City, and I've probably driven past the campus. It's nearish to where uh, my college girlfriend lived. So I drove past it, like, in my dad's car, like, trying to figure <laughs> out how to get to my girlfriend's house. But that's probably, like, yeah, that's, if that's the most vivid memory I have of it. The one thing that I can say, and I've been trying to figure this out, so, like, I was on a you know travel basketball team eighth grade, and we'd play all over North Jersey in usually like pretty crappy gyms. I remember one in Wallington, New Jersey, that basically like had a cinder block wall like eight inches on either <laughs> side of the sideline. Like, it was basically like a, a child harm experiment with a basketball mixed into the middle of it. But I saw St. Peter's gym, and it's like it's super duper small, mm-hmm. um, and apparently not air conditioned. And I'm sure that I played there. I'm sure that I played there against a team from Christian Brothers Academy. Like, I have all these thoughts in my mind, and yet I looked it up, and, like, Christian Brothers Academy is, like, from down the shore. Like, why would they have been there? Uh, and also, every gym I've seen, and this is, like, the real St. Peter's thing, is that, like, it kind of looks like every, like, older Catholic institution's gym yeah. in, like, Newark or Jersey City or, like, any place that where those schools are. So, like, I have, a, like, a good feeling towards it, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, in two years, by the time I tell this story, I'll be like, yeah, I played on that on that floor, and I scored 12 <laughs> points in a quarter, but damn coach took me out. But, like, in this case, it's going to be, like, I, I want to believe, but I also am not sure I have any experience in St. Peter's beyond knowing that they exist. Well, he is David Roth from Defector. I look forward to over-exaggerated eighth-grade travel basketball stories from you in the future. We all have our peaks. Uh, I just <laughs> happen to be lower and earlier than I might have wanted. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, David. Yeah. So there is David Roth. Um, <laughs> so, yes, even, even people that are from New Jersey don't quite know where or what St. Peter is. All right. That, make, that makes me feel better about not having any idea do you know, anything about it. Do you know what the arena is called? And the only reason I knew this is I have to write something in the Swiss 16 so I had to look up facts on St. Peter's. Is, is it something fun? Like, is it oh, Peacock it's very, no, Arena? No, it's very fun. It's very fun. What? No, it's funner than that. Run Baby Run Arena. 
Oh, what, wait, why is it called that? That's a great name. Why is it called that? I have absolutely no idea. I, it's did, run did baby, they have some famous baby, guy say run that arena, quote? And maybe it seats 3,200. It's, it's <laughs> said capacity of 3,200, but I'm putting maybe because I looked at a picture of it, and I'm like, boy, you're cramming 3,200 in that place if you can seat it. If the if people can also stand on the court while the game is going on, it'll yes, fit 3,200 3, inside. All right, coming up next, we're going to jump into a fun Urban Meyer story. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. We had a fun story from The Athletic yesterday about Urban Meyer and some more details on his tenure as the Jacksonville Jags head coach. Uh, one of the uh, details that got pointed out the most was this. Urban Meyer said he conducted a six-month deep dive on the NFL that included interviews with his former Florida and Ohio State players, as well as a study of the salary cap. But multiple sources said Meyer was unfamiliar with star players around the league, including, hey, my dog's barking, uh, 49ers receiver Debo Samuel, Seahawks safety Jamal Adams, and Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald. Quote, who's this 99 guy on the Rams, Meyer asked one staffer during the season. I'm hearing he might be a problem for us. Do you believe that Urban Meyer did yeah. not know who Aaron Donald was? Danny and I completely disagree and don't believe this. As Danny pointed out, he coached against him in college. Yeah. There's just no way he didn't know who had heard of Aaron Aaron Donald. I, I don't believe that for a second. I, I, I mean, I, it seems like an off-cuff, like, joking remark. Right. I have to imagine Urban Meyer was trying to make a joke about this. However, the, the only pushback that I would have against it, because surely he knows who the hell Aaron Donald is, the only pushback I would have against that is I haven't heard any other story of Urban Meyer joking while being the head coach of the Jacksonville Jags. Every other story is about how this guy was a terrible head coach. Well, and, and that's maybe didn't. That's maybe why the staffer believed him because like this guy doesn't have a sense of humor at all. My God, he doesn't do Aaron Donald is right. I mean, you might say this guy's never told a joke in his life. This guy doesn't know who ninety nine right. is. So again. It's hard to imagine that he didn't know Aaron Donald, but I guess there's maybe a 1% chance that I could believe it. But there's there's more details in that story. Um, this one was also fun. In his first staff meeting, so Urban Meyer gets the job first time in the NFL, first staff meeting, Meyer criticized the way NFL teams operate, noting specifically that coaches failed to take proper care of players' health. And then, according to multiple sources in the meeting, Meyer said, I hate scouts. Scouts are lazy. It was an especially jarring comment <laughs> given that scouts were also in the room. That I believe. <laughs> I yes, don't believe not Aaron Donald, do but too. this one I absolutely believe. The, the other part of that is Urban Meyer criticized NFL teams for not taking proper care of players' health. Urban Meyer kicked his own kicker in warm-ups one day. Yes. Like... <laughs> What? He's worried about how other teams are treating players when he's just kicking his kicker because he missed a preseason kick? He walked up and kicked him in warm-ups or something? Like, what is he talking about? And then this one, this one was probably the most uncomfortable of the details. Um, the Jaguars signed John Brown last year. And according to The Athletic, not long after John Brown signed, he ran the wrong route in practice. And after practice, he and Trevor Lawrence uh, went through it again, right? Ran through that route again. 
And Meyer apparently walked up to them and said, hey, Trevor, you've got to slow it down for him. These boys from the South, their transcripts ain't right. Okay. John Brown was from Florida. Didn't play for him, right? Uh, Yes, I believe. Yes, I believe that's correct. Okay. Urban Meyer ripping any transcripts or dudes on any teams from college is an absolute joke. The, the programs that guy ran at Florida and Ohio State with some of the dudes on those teams, to try to take a shot at this guy about his transcripts is absolutely hilarious that Urban Meyer would say, or he, he needs to say nothing about kids who were in college given some of the renegade programs that guy ran. So it is very uncomfortable that he would say this to the guy about his transcripts, but I find it absolutely hilarious that Urban Meyer would say anything about any kid from a college given what he ran at those schools. There's also the fact that he tried to call them out for being dumb yeah, for he, being he, from he, the this South. Is, this is essentially saying you're stupid because from where you're, where you're from. From a place that Urban Meyer recruited to and coached at. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was born in Tennessee <laughs> and went to high school in Georgia. <laughs> like... What, he probably thought what, Trevor Lawrence was like a California kid. He probably like that, did. Like that kid from Remember the Titans with the long hair. He thought he was like, oh, this kid's got to be from California. His hair is beyond his collar. Sunshine. Sunshine. I don't know who that is. But like. <laughs> I forgot. I can't. I can't imagine walking up to two people that are from the South and being telling one of them, hey, the other guy's dumb because he's from the South. Like, are you? Really? Like, I'm also from the South, Urban. Like, what do you think's happening here? The And then the last thing from this story that I thought was really interesting, DJ Chark had no problem going on the record with The Athletic. Like, all these other details have been anonymously sourced. DJ Chark, he talked about, uh, he said, he feels like threats are what motivates. I would come in and he would tell us if the receivers weren't doing good, he was going to fire us and fire our coach. Like, DJ Chark had no problem putting his name on this, so... Good for DJ Chark. He apparently really didn't like Urban Meyer. You've got players in fear they're going to lose their jobs. You've got coaches who belittle us, and I can't imagine he was doing behind closed doors. I'm surprised he lasted for that long, to be honest with you. What a complete Urban Meyer, unsurprisingly, massive failure as an NFL head coach.